This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. I'm Karen Gibis, along with... Brett Eckert. And we are live here at the Mustard Seed Catholic Store in downtown Rapid City on a beautiful fall day in a beautiful part of the country and a beautiful life. God's country. Yeah, it is. As my dad used to say. Yeah. Whenever we'd go on a trip, whenever we started getting and approaching the Black Hills, uh, he'd say, oh... God. Thank the Lord. Coming back to God's country. And I'm like, <laughs> I still say it. My kids think I'm maybe kind of a weirdo for it, but you know, that's we one all, of the things I do. We all have to say weird things as parents, <laughs> you know. I grew up in the late 70s. Let's just say whenever... <laughs> Whenever the bathroom was full, my dad, I don't even, I shouldn't even say it, but dad would say, there's a line at the liquor store. <laughs> it's the things you remember All right. as a child. So yours, God's country at Black, in the Black Hills, yep. a little better. Yep. And uh, so we just got done with a great conversation. Um about the homeschooling conference yeah. that's all virtual this year um, that the, is being provided. Um, but I think a, a big shout-out to all those families. I know a lot of uh, homeschooling moms and dads are probably listening right now. A big shout-out to know that it, it is not all in vain. You know, uh, Just a huge word of encouragement to all those families that, that have taken that huge leap of faith and that huge um, like commitment, commitment yeah. to... to to, to have their kids be homeschooled because I think it was funny because during COVID people were saying how, oh, well, like everybody's kind of getting a glimpse of what homeschooling is. And I'm like, yeah, oh, no, oh, no, that's, no not, not. that's not what homeschooling is. You're really facilitating um, yeah, exactly. the, the work that's done by the teachers, teachers. still. Yeah. I'm like, so for all those homeschooling parents out there, props to you. Continue the good fight because understand, and I think we all know, uh, the beautiful the beautiful virtues and the lifestyle uh, that it helps to foster. So props well, to those parents out there. So. Well, and I think it's great because our next guest, Nick Modelski, he and his wife are homeschooling parents. Look at that. So, Nick, are you there? <laughs> I'm here. Excellent. So, and I know I, you guys were. Uh, I know you guys were talking about how South Dakota out there is God's country, but I want to assure the listeners that Southern Minnesota is also God's country. We can extend maybe. Uh, are we skipping over Sioux Falls? <laughs> we, or are we can we skip included? over the middle we, part uh, of the wait, state. Well, there. you know, that, that you're, you're the South Dakotans. I'll let you handle that. I'm the Minnesotan, so I'll handle Minnesota. <laughs> okay. There can be, you know what? Like I say, there's enough room in God's church for everyone, right? Yeah. There's yeah. enough room for more than one God's country. Yes. Yeah. Well, in I'm the Midwest. Sure. That's the truth. Absolutely. And beautiful country up there. I will say that. I <laughs> love up there. Got well, some family. Nick, do you want to just tell our, I mean, our listeners do know about you because you hosted on Friday and you're hosting right. again tomorrow. So you right. are a familiar voice here on Real Presence Live. <laughs> but for the sake of this interview, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and then go into your Franciscan journey? Right. So um, my uh, wife and I, we just, and our three kids, we just moved to southern Minnesota about back in May. Um, my wife's uh Mother grew up down here, and all her aunts and uncles and um, brothers and sisters still live here with their kids. So I think my wife tallied it up. She's got like 100 first cousins living in this area in southern Minnesota. So uh, that was part of the reason we moved here. Um, uh, we That's had been impressive. Living... <laughs> yeah, That's very yeah. impressive. Well, uh, her mom was one of 18, so, you know, it doesn't, uh, that, that math adds That doesn't up take long. There. That doesn't take yeah. long. <laughs> 
So uh, we had been living in northern Michigan, um, Petoskey area, which is about an hour south of Mackinac Island. Some people mm-hmm. here are familiar mm-hmm. with Mackinac. So mm-hmm. uh, yep. that's where we lived. It was a beautiful part of the country, but uh, decided we'd like to be closer to family. Uh, when I was up there, I worked for five years for Barricka Radio Network as the program manager and assistant station manager. That station was um, sold to Relevant Radio, that network, and uh, then I worked at a parish for a year, and then we decided to move here to Minnesota and wound up as the listener relationship coordinator for Real Presence Radio here in southern Minnesota. So I get to be the Karen Gibbs down here <laughs> in Minnesota, so it's yeah, big you, shoes I'm to fill. Uh, well, I was going to say, I'm sure you do a, a great job over there, much better than I ever did over there, considering <laughs> only contact I had was over phone, so... You are definitely an asset to Real Presence Radio in southern Minnesota. It's, it's great to be here. Honestly, it is. Um, so the Franciscan part, right, which is yes. why I'm on this morning. I can talk about myself all day, but I'll just limit it to the Franciscan stuff. <laughs> okay. uh, so, so like a lot of other um, people who grew up cradle Catholic, I only knew St. Francis as kind of the birdbath saint, right? You always saw his statue. <laughs> and there, But, you know, you, you learn little bits here and there, but you pretty much know, oh, yeah, he talked to the birds, and he was a nice guy, and he wore brown and sandals, and that's about it, right? <laughs> right. Um, and it wasn't until college uh, where I went to a college that was uh, in southeast Michigan, uh, metro Detroit area, called Madonna University, not named after the singer. Uh, some people always <laughs> like to get that confused. Uh, but after Our Lady, and it was a university founded and run by the Felician Sisters, which were a group of religious sisters from Poland, founded in the 19th century, who were in that Franciscan charism. So uh, at the college there, I got to kind of experience Franciscans firsthand. You know, it wasn't just, they weren't just people in a book anymore, right? I could see these Franciscan sisters living out their charism, and I just saw the joy um, and living that joy of the gospel that was just so unique and something that really when i looked at it i said i want to do that i don't i don't know how they do that but that that's something worth looking into how i do that um and so kind of towards the end of college i thought about um joining the franciscan friars um i had uh sent uh you know got some brochures and literature from them decided eh, I'll, i'll go work for a little bit decided uh to start discerning that that call again and that's right around the time um actually it kind of came to a head where um i'd always heard people say be bold in prayer you know sometimes when you're making a difficult decision to just lay it all out there jesus says you know the father knows everything already so you're not giving him any surprises right um and i said okay so uh god you have this uh this week uh to show me who i'm going to marry or i'm going to be a franciscan friar wow that's bold (laughs) and sure enough god delivered so um i uh my my beautiful wife who uh we first met in college my freshman year of college and then got wound up getting married uh 10 years later uh pretty much (laughs) wow Uh, so um but uh you know ran into each other again uh that that uh when i was there in detroit that week and uh yeah so things worked out well on that front um, but as a as a as a husband and then a father, um, I still felt a call to do something more, and it was still that pull in that Franciscan direction. And I had met a secular Franciscan in college once, and I thought that's too weird. No one does that. Like <laughs> I've only ever met one person do that before. Not for me. You know, I'm gonna gonna go name brand. That seems a little. Is that even real? Kind of thing. You know. And then, uh, but I started looking into it again. And uh, realized that this was really 
I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a feeling of, of being home. You know, like it's the way that a place you were always meant to be, I think is the best way I can describe it. And uh, I went to the, the meetings uh, for the fraternity. That's what we call our little uh, groups, you know, our local groups, our fraternities. And just the range in ages and the range in life situations and everything else it was a common thread among everyone there at that group how much they loved Christ and how much they wanted to show that love for Christ in the world. And again, you know, the same reaction that I had to the to the Felician sisters, I said, that's what I want to do. That I want to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what kind of convicted me to um, pursue the secular Franciscans and to really live out that Franciscan charism. And uh, after about four years of formation in the fraternity, I did make my uh, permanent profession last year. So this is my one-year anniversary. So I was going to say, um, do, what does one say to, you know, happy anniversary? Is that... <laughs> Remember your death. I don't know. <laughs> okay. That sounds more appropriate. No, Rem- I don't know. I don't Remember know. your death, yeah. Nick. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so the Franciscan... The secular Franciscan order, how does it relate to other, like the other Franciscan groups? Because I know we hear about the Franciscan orders and Franciscan this and Franciscan sisters and Franciscan brothers. And and normally you think of the brown habit-wearing, right. sandal-wearing, joyful people. But right. Is that what this is? I mean, I've never seen you wear a brown habit and sandals. <laughs> Well, you know, I do. I have been known to wear sandals on occasion, so um, uh, you know, I live that out in a in a secular way. Uh, but the basically what happened is during Francis's life, anyone who who reads a biography of him, he didn't set out to found an order at the start. He just set out to follow Christ, and so he, you know, um, stole some stuff from his dad to give money to the poor. Then he got disowned by his father and went and lived naked in the woods for a while until a priest said. It's a little too weird. Um, how about you help me take care of this church? And Francis, throughout that, is just like, wherever God's calling me, I'm going to go. And he wasn't afraid or hung up on, you know, mistakes that he might have encountered along the way, you know, or things he, he misunderstood, uh, but he just kept charging forward. And so he uh, eventually, a bunch of guys came to him um, and said, we want to live the way you're living. You know, we want to live this life of radical poverty and radical commitment to the gospel. And so the first order was founded. Um, and that's, uh, the first order is the friars. So those are the guys in the brown robes, uh, sometimes gray, sometimes black. Um, there's three major divisions of them. There's the uh, observance. Those are just the regular OFMs, uh, like Junipero Serra. Mm-hmm. There's the conventuals, like St. Maximilian Colby. They usually wear black. And the Capuchins, like uh, Padre Pio or Solanus right. Casey. Um, and then the second order, and uh, you know, all the Franciscans make sure to emphasize this. It's not a, a ranking system. It's not a gold, silver, bronze uh, kind of thing. You know, It's not first, second, third that way. It's just chronologically, it's how it happens. So the second order is when was found when uh, St. Clair came to Francis and said, I want to live this way of life too. And he's like, okay, we'll figure it out. Um, and so those are the poor Claire's, uh, like Mother Angelica, uh, she was a poor Claire of perpetual adoration, um, and they're the second order. And they're um, cloistered, right? They live okay. in an enclosure, yep. they're monastic. Right. And then that finally gets us to the third order, um, and that's what I belong to. And basically okay. what happened is 
this lay couple, uh, middle-aged, came up to Francis while he was preaching in a village and said, you know, we're, we're really both really strongly called to this way of life. We're going to separate, and uh, I'm going to become a friar. My wife's going to join the monastery, and we'll both be Franciscans. And, you know, it was kind of common at that time that people did that. Uh, but Francis said, no, 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 no. This is a radical commitment to the gospel, and every Christian is called to live out the life of the gospel. So, you guys are, have a specific charism to live this way of life in the world, to not leave the world like the friars and the, and the, uh, uh, you know, and the nuns do, right? Yeah. You know, where right. they live separate from the world. We're right. called to live in the world. So, married, single, uh, diocesan priests, uh, deacons, um, you know, ordained, all that kind of stuff. That's where everyone sort of falls in in that third order. And there's two divisions of that third order. There's the third order secular, secular Franciscans, and those are the people I just described. And then there are groups that sort of got together as uh, third order Franciscans and said, well, we want to live a communal life. And those are the third order regular uh, that people might recognize from Steubenville. Uh, they're the friars that run Steubenville. Uh, so they just live a slightly different way. They're not part of the first order. They're part of the third order. Sometimes it's a little too ma- too much math uh, in inside <laughs> baseball for people to, <laughs> you know, for people to pay attention to. But that kind of explains sort of the connection. So to make it short, I guess you could say the secular Franciscan order was founded by St. Francis himself because he envisioned the Franciscan family as not just encompassing celibate men and celibate women, but also married people and people living out in the world. So uh, that's sort of where we fall. I didn't realize that St. Francis had actually established the secular Franciscans. That I guess I had not connected the dots to to that. And that's actually really fascinating that I think that um, he saw that there was a need even within a married relationship even within out in the world out in the secular aspect of life that there still needed to have that that radical living out of the gospel in their own i guess vocation Mm -hmm. it's beautiful so okay so what does it look like being a friend a secular franciscan like what's the commitment level what's the 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 (laughs) The nuts and bolts. Yeah. The X's and O's. I was going to say the do's and don'ts, but the nuts and bolts (laughs) are better. Um, So it it basically starts with that that commitment to try and radically live out the gospel. Like I said earlier, St. Francis was always willing to try, right? He didn't always get it right right away. Like, probably shouldn't have stolen stuff from his dad. You know, uh, that probably wasn't the best way to go about it. You know, did he need to do the dramatic (laughs) naked thing in the square with the bishop? Maybe not. Probably not. But he was always willing to go forward, you know, and go where the Spirit led and always, you know, try and radically live out that gospel in the world. And so um, it's the same kind of thing for us, um, you know, and I know I'm in highfalutin terms right now. I'll I'll narrow it down in a second here. (laughs) Um, But we kind of narrow down our charism to gospel to life and life to gospel. So we try and live everything that's in the gospel and also take everything out in the world and relate that back to the gospel. And so that's kind of the the, the overarching kind of goal of our way of life. Um, we, uh, as I mentioned, we do have a period of discernment and candidacy and things like that, you know, just like, uh, you know, a regular religious order would. Right. And outside of that, uh, we are required to um, uh, live... Uh, 
you know, secular versions of the of those evangelical councils of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Uh, poverty, of course, I have to pay a mortgage and electric bills and buy food for kids and stuff like that, so I can't not make money. Um, but right. we're called to what's called holy simplicity, uh, which is basically living a pretty simple life. You know, being frugal, um, not being ostentatious with money. You know, I'm not. I, I don't think I ever have the money, but I wouldn't be driving around a Jaguar or whatever, you know. Um, Aside from the fact that it isn't practical for your size of family, yeah. That, that too, you know, that, that's in there as well. But, you know, uh, things like that. So um, simplicity, of course, everyone's called to chastity regardless of what state yep. of life you're in. And then obedience, um, kind of in a lesser sense, but also, you know, uh, a sense of obedience to our, our bishops, right, in the, in the Holy Father, um, because we are bound to the church in a distinct way that I think is also, I don't know that anyone's come up with a good explanation for what exactly that means, uh, but it sounds cool. And uh, <laughs> so we are bound in a certain way to the church and bound to um, pray daily. Um, usually, you know, the liturgy of the hours, um, lauds and vespers mm -hmm. is what uh, most do, although there are a few other uh, forms of prayer, but we're called to pray daily to really... Um, you know, um, uh, read the gospel and live the gospel. Um, and that's kind of what it narrows down to in the end. Uh, like, like I've heard people say, you know, it's less about what you do and more about who you are. And so it's trying to be people of the gospel and trying to live that out in the world around us. That if you look around in the world today, you can always use more people trying to bring the gospel out to the world. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Do you, um, is your wife also um, no. a secular Franciscan? No, and I don't know if I can say this on air or not, um, but she said they're, uh, we're, we're a little too hippy-dippy for her. So. Hippy-dippy. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a, you know, we have a heart for, again, back to the birdbath saint, we do have a heart for environmentalism yeah. and things like that. So that's not for everyone, right? No, you know, It no, is a specific charism. But it is, you know, it's not like every... Um, it's not like uh, a husband and a wife have to join, have to together, join together, right? right. Of course, it would, it would be really, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have done it without the support of my wife, you right. know, because it does take a time commitment to go every month to the meetings and to, uh, you know, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's obviously, you know, something I'm asking of my wife to let me go do, you know, because it is a time commitment that, I've, that I'm yeah. making. Uh, but, you know, it's not something where we both have to be um, in the order. Uh, well, and I would say if you're supposed to be discerning if this is where you belong and you're taking, you know, even the, that obedience thing. I mean, you have the obedience to your wife's request mm -hmm. in, in yep. some regard. And you can't put that off in right. order to do what's good for you, what you think is good for you if she sees yep. something outside of that. So I can see where that would be one of those things where... If the wife was joining in, or if it was a husband and wife committed together, that in itself would be beautiful. But a husband or a wife doing it with the permission of their spouse is equally as beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, do you have... Okay, so any advice... Okay, so I'm sitting here going, yeah, no, this is, seems like a lot of commitment. <laughs> like, I mean, no offense, St. Francis, and please still intercede for me, but this does not seem like there's something that is making me feel like I need to sign up right mm -hmm. now. But if someone is feeling 
oh, I should, I'm really interested in this joining a third order group. What should they, what, any advice for them? Any steps, any preparation that they should consider yeah. as they discern this? Yeah, so, um, uh, you know, we're not the only third order group. There's uh, lay Dominicans, there's secular Carmelites. Uh, there's actually two Carmelite groups. There's a discalced and a regular uh, yeah, I'm still not wearing. feeling it. I'm not sure. So, um, but there's several <laughs> different groups, and then there's also Benedictine oblates, and that's slightly oh, different. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but basically, you know, it, it's similar, and there's of course there's differences between them because we're attached to different families charisms. with different yeah. charisms, right? Yep. So, yep. Um, but that's uh, I guess the biggest piece of advice I'd offer is it is a vocation, and discern it that seriously, right? It's not like showing up for um, that man is you, or a Bible yeah. study, yep. which are all yeah. great things, you know, or joining the Knights of Columbus, which are all good, but it's not a lifelong commitment, right? Like a vocation is. And so to approach it seriously, but also I think the most important thing for me is again, when, when I kind of talked about my story, the biggest thing that really drew me in was meeting people who were living that charism. And it was cool and all to read articles. And of course, um, Anyone who knows me knows I love to stay up late reading articles on Wikipedia and, you know, all over the Internet on this and that. And that that's a good start for discernment. But kind of that, that final push-in for me was seeing people living that charism and feeling fraternity, right? Because that's the biggest difference. You can live a radical life, a radical commitment to the gospel without being a secular Franciscan, without being in a third order, right? right? right. You know, that's what we're all called to do by our baptism, Right, but joining the the secular Franciscans and really discerning that and uh, you know um, saying yes to that vocation has given me um, another family, right? Another faith family of people to pray with, people to learn from, you know, people who are you know much older than me, people who are younger than me, people who are about the same age, who have different struggles, and yet you know through all of that, it's just so beautiful to see that radical commitment to the gospel lived out in so many ways. And to, you know, really pray together as a family every month, to ask each other to pray for each other, to study um, our charism and things like that. It's it's that family aspect to me that was the biggest thing that really drew me in. So anyone uh, discerning, there's lots of information on the Internet. If you're interested in the Secular Franciscans, uh, we do have a website, and I know I'm getting close to the technical director's preview, and I don't want to uh, edge on to that, but secularfranciscansusa.org, secularfranciscansusa.org, and you can go on there. There's all kinds of articles you can read. It'll also give you contact information for local uh, fraternities. I belong to a fraternity right here in Wasika, uh, but they're all over the place, um, and okay. just reach out, and they'll be happy to give you more information. Oh, thank you, Nick, for joining us today. I think yeah. it's always like whenever they have me on for an interview, it's always a hazard because I know the cues, and I know how long I can talk. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> it is a hazard to get interview someone who works for us because <laughs> you're like, well, they can just take over. I don't have to really pay attention. But thank you, Nick, for being with us today and for sharing about the secular Franciscans, especially the Third Order and the different groups of in within that Franciscan organization and uh, for being here, especially on the Feast of St. Francis of Assisi. Thank you. All right. Well, as Nick was hinting at, we have to send it to our 
technical director. Therese is up in Fargo waiting to tell you what tomorrow's show is. Who, ironically enough, Nick will be hosting. <laughs> yeah, so that's tomorrow from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Nick Medalski will be your host coming to you live from Rochester, Minnesota. What is a parish? You'll dive into this question with Father William Thompson from the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. And Father Brian Lynch will talk about one way we can see the face of Christ. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. That's tomorrow from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you, Karen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Therese. Well, Brett, we have had a great show today, yes. haven't we? A lot of great uh, discussion and a lot of uh, really good opportunities to hear of different things that are happening within uh, the greater region of the five states. Yeah, I think it's amazing how you can start out talking about courage and encourage, and yet, you know, they're talking about the struggles that that may bring, but the joy that mm-hmm. that brings, right? That the, and then you move into we moved into the homeschool, yep. <laughs> and the struggles that that homeschooling may bring, but the joy that it brings, and then we heard from Nick about the secular, um, the third order of the secular Franciscans, about the struggles that that might be, but then the joy that that brings, and it always goes back to with Jesus Mm -hmm. there is joy yeah that's the truth and I think that's the beautiful thing that this show today really pointed out is just that there's joy to be found in living in accordance and living the life that Christ is asking us to live living the gospel right living the gospel boldly boldly living the gospel and being that example not only to as a priest as an example to someone in the encourage or courage ministry as a parent as you're homeschooling your children, or as the secular Franciscan, as you're boldly proclaiming the gospel around <laughs> to the world. <laughs> to the world, you know, if you do it with a joyful heart and you do it with saying, "God is walking with me. Christ is here with me. He is helping me carry that cross," and in fact, He's probably carrying mm-hmm. me. You know, the joy that we can show this really broken world. It, I just, I don't even know how, why He wouldn't want to try that. Yeah. Right? Wouldn't want to live that out. Well, thank you so much for hosting this morning, Brett, on this Monday morning, I I guess. Mondays, if we have to have a Monday, we should have a beautiful Monday on Real Presence Live. Well, thank you, everyone. Stay tuned with us, because up next, you will hear from More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. Thank you for tuning in to Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, 